y'all. This is Betsy Orton with the Dickey Foundation, and you're listening to the podcast Dickey's Doing Good, where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in the community. My guest today is Dallas Police Officer Joe King. Joe has spent more than two decades with the Dallas Police Department. He's trained various units throughout the department, such as Crimes Against Persons, Narcotics, and the Family Violence Unit, to name a few. He's currently with the Legal Service Department with the Dallas Police Department, and he's also won the John T. McCarthy Officer of the Year Award twice. Thanks so much for joining me, Joe. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we're, we're thrilled to have you join us. And for those who don't know you quite as well as I do, tell us a little bit about yourself, your law enforcement career, and how you came to be where you are. Well, I grew up in Dallas, uh, mainly West Dallas and uh, Oak Cliff side. Uh, my, all my family's from Dallas. Um, my uncle was a Cockrell Hill police officer, and I always looked up to him, and and I always wanted to be like him. And when I was in sixth grade, I remember it was over there at Idaho Elementary in, in um, Oak Cliff. I was out playing baseball with uh, my cousin, and some Dallas officers showed up in uniform, got out and played with us. So that that had a huge impact on me and to want to be an officer. So there was, they, they showed up and you said, these are the coolest guys no, driving around they, with the lights and sirens? Yeah, and, well, they actually, I mean, when I one, one time when I hit the ball, uh, they got on the loudspeaker and, and made it sound like it was a home run. So that was really, <laughs> was really cool. That's so fun. Do you get to do that also as an officer now? I have, I have interacted with several kids and actually went out to parties back when I was still on the streets. And um, some of the, some of the families would flag us down and say, Hey, my you know daughter or son are having a birthday party. Can you come over and do something? So we've done that several times. That's fun. So, what a great community outreach program. Yeah. It was <laughs> fun. They ate it up. So. so, so now on that note, what's the best thing about being in law enforcement? Um, you know, pretty much my entire career, I messed with drug houses at Southeast and there are plenty of drug houses. And um, I can't tell you how many times we would hit a drug house and while we're kind of wrapping it up or while we're at the scene and, you know, we're searching the house that a citizen would walk by and, and discreetly give us a thumbs up or mouth, you know, thank you to us. That, that I can't tell you how many times that happened because these poor people are living there daily amongst it and they're begging for help and, you know, it's nice to do it. That is, it's remarkable that you've been able to help. Now, as we said, you've spent more than more than two decades. Mm -hmm. uh, you started very young uh, with the DPD. Yeah, I did. So tell me kind of all the various roles and things that you've been doing with <clears throat> Dallas Police Department. Well, I graduated in 97 and I immediately went out to Southeast and I, I wanted to go to Southwest because I grew up in Southwest. I knew the geography, but I got to Southeast and fell in love with just the people there. And, um, and it was, you had to hit the ground running as a rookie at Southeast because the action was every hour <laughs> and it was it's a it's a, a bad part of town but that being said i learned a lot very quickly and i got in with a group of guys that um worked drug houses and i learned from them they were very good and and i just kind of i took that role uh of messing with drugs from literally 97 to 2016 and it's just uh, you know there's you don't have to I always say you don't have to be a detective to do detective work in the field. You can go out and you can intel mine, you can make contacts and you can build cases from a patrolman level. You just got to know where to take the case once you have it, you know, gift wrapped and on a silver platter to give it to the detective. And, and I took a lot of pride in doing that um, and getting better at that as my career went on. Tell me more about how, how you went about building that from, from finding out there might be something felonious going on in the neighborhood to, to well, knocking on the door and taking care of it. 
Yeah, well, it usually start. It all starts with citizen complaints, whether now one calls or somebody flagging you down or somebody going to the city council and complaining about an issue in their neighborhood. Because we don't live in these neighborhoods. The people that live there are having to deal with it daily, and they're you know giving outcries to us to stop it and to do certain enforcement. So I would get intelligence from uh, citizens that live in these areas, and then I would build on that, and I would go, I would go to one house and see a group of suspects that I also saw them at several other houses and you start piecing it together and it basically the activity would spider web out and you can build a case. You just got to do a lot of documentation and a lot of building blocks. And then once you get to the point of taking it to narcotics or to even the federal, uh, uh, federal side, we've done that several times. Um, you get more bang for your buck. If you go federal, you get federal charges on people and you can actually, um, do conspiracy type cases and that's the the bad guys get more of a punishment uh, and it has more bite if you go that route but you have to do a lot of documentation and it's a lot of building a lot of arrest a lot of linking the suspect to this vehicle to this house watching in some cases uh, surveillance videos and hidden pole cams I mean there's just a lot that goes into it but you just have to first pay attention get the intelligence from the people that know what they're talking about observe the uh, activity and then put it all together. So it's not just like it is on an hour TV show where they can wrap it up inside an hour. Oh my gosh, no, no. <laughs> There's some of them go months and some of them, some of them you go months and sadly you just don't have enough to, you know that the, there's bad stuff going on and you cannot get to the point of um, beyond a reasonable doubt and make an arrest. It, it's bad because um, you know, you want to do a good job for that. You want to do a good job on any investigation, but especially the people that live in these neighborhoods that and it's it's, uh, it's really a tough fight. It's an uphill battle sometimes, but sometimes you go months and still come up empty. But, you know, you just try at a different angle. There you go. Try, you keep, yeah, you just keep, trying. keep trying. Right. So now you're with legal services with the department now. So tell me a little bit about what they do and what your role is there. Well, when I left the streets, I had never had a desk job. And, and I, go, I went to legal and... Legal services, we submit we submit and file every case from all the detectives for the entire department. We submit on average 2,100 cases a month from shoplift all the way up to homicide. Um, and there's a lot of offenses in between shoplift and, and homicide. I would think uh, so. Yes, especially in Dallas. And we're, uh, we're also, so the detective will work up a case and complete it, send it to us. We pretty much quality control it. We extract it and put it into a database for the Dallas DA's office. And we're also the liaison between DPD and the DA's office. So I deal with either detectives or lawyers every day. And when a case, some cases need polishing, we do that. Uh, some case has some errors, we fix them. And also um, we just, you know, my, my, my unit and myself, I train all the detectives uh, to do certain aspects of case filing and to work different databases. So I've pretty much went to every unit on the department and had to had to train people. Well, that's why the assistant district attorney's office, the DAs love you. Well, it's nice of them. <laughs> they, they, they've said very, very kind things about that. And so it's, it sounds like you've done a lot of training in, in your time there. And, and talk to me kind of about the training and also what you would tell someone who is thinking about joining DPD or going into law enforcement. Yeah, I've been fortunate to be in positions that uh, where I could actually improve in, improve law enforcement and uh, and uh, 
a lot of it's learning by mistakes and then building on it and finding out better, more efficient ways to do something and safer and um, just, there's always a better way to do anything, no matter what job it is. It's just a matter of figuring it out and then training other people to do it. So in my time with DPD, I've, I've trained surveillance school. I used to be the reality-based training instructor um, that would go out and put officers through scenarios and um, with fake bad guys and, and actors and, and scenario situations. Uh, and legal services, there's basically two databases needed to file a case. Dallas PD has one and the DA's office has another. I train both, both databases and they're really complex. And if you don't use certain guidelines and consistency, you can have a lot of errors, a lot of user, uh, it's just, it's all human error, but human error can cause several mistakes. And by doing the constant training, constant audits that we do, we try to identify the mistakes and, and fix them. And that's pretty much what I train uh, now in legal. Uh, it's when a new detective shows up to a unit, uh, whether it's homicide or vice or uh, family violence, I go in and teach them these databases and uh, and also the process of case filing. So it sounds like you're the one that makes sure that these cases actually, you know, are able to get convictions. Yes, ma'am. And, yeah, and, and, you're, and, and you're training them how to how to put together those cases. But yeah, we're training them to make make sure the case is intact and it's as strong it's as strong as it can be before we send it to the DA's office. That's so, really important work that you all are doing. So what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about law enforcement? I think a lot of what we do is um, it's taken, it's, you, it's take, you're looking at a small screenshot of, of a day, of something, of an event, okay? As opposed to looking at the bigger picture on everything. Um, there's, there are people that in every profession that shouldn't be, doing what they're doing. And, uh, and, and there are plenty of people in law enforcement that shouldn't, that probably aren't the best are cut out for the job, but the vast majority of officers with the thousands of police contacts that go on all across the country, the high majority of the time they go very well. It's the, the small amount of times that, uh, that officers, um, make a bad mistake or put in a position to make a decision and they're always not in the good it's always not a good decision and there's and like i said before there's always things that can be done better and i think that policing and you know whether you're a police center if you're a doctor or you're uh you're a lawyer you, there's always better ways to do do any job so the biggest misconception I, I would think is a lot of people focus in on on uh a very small picture small picture of the uh, of uh what goes on in policing as opposed to understanding um the bigger picture which is like some people are like well why, we know they're dealing drugs why can't you go throw them in jail as i already said before we have to build a lot because of the law we have to do a lot of steps to build a case i yes i know that person is dealing drugs but i can't just go over there and arrest them and uproot them out of your neighborhood and, and throw them in jail it doesn't work that way if i did that I would have no prosecution and they'd be they'd be back there in a couple of days doing the same thing. There's a lot of things that you have to do um, legally and there's a lot of uh, laws and uh, requirements we have to do to get the job done. And they're not always easy. Sometimes we can't get the job done because we have restrictions and 
uh, a lot of people that are bad actors out there, they don't. They don't have rules. They, they have rules, but they don't go by them. So it's a totally different set of rules. Yeah. They, well, and you, and you all again are, are doing just yeoman's work out there, and it's such a such an incredibly hard job. But I know you must have some incredible experiences that you've had. Kind of, can you tell me about an experience or two that really maybe touched your heart or really changed how you do things? Well, I, t I told you already that the people that come up and mouth thank you or written letters of commendation to, and they didn't have to do that. I mean, it's it's our job to go out and make a rest and to stop certain activity. That's where our job, but there's been a lot of times that people actually write in, we don't even know about it until after the fact, they write in and write letters, uh, whether it's citizens or other officers that you don't know are writing you up or, or um, district attorneys uh, writing things about you. Um, there was there was a lady that lived in South Dallas and she, I think, she, I literally think she had lived there her whole life and she looked like she was in her 80s. She would beg us and beg us to do something about this. It was a heroin house. And we tried and tried to hit this uh, drug house for this lady and, and get them out of the neighborhood. Finally, we were able to get lucky. We were doing surveillance from a rooftop of a, of a high rise in South Dallas, looking down at the street, because this particular house had they were smart. They had good eyes at each corner of the street, which good eyes are kind of people that look out. Sometimes they have walkie talkies to talk to the main dealer inside the house. And we're able to watch from that rooftop. And long story short, we, we hit the house. And while we were out there hitting the house and after we had finished searching, this lady come out and hugged all of us. That's, that's just gotta be so rewarding that you know oh, that you're, absolutely. you're helping change well, the community. And the thing is, she didn't know of how hard we worked to get that, you know, and we can't tell her what we're doing and what we're trying and we're failing. And, and you know, it's like sometimes in policing, it's like going through a maze. You come up to a lot of, of dead ends. You have to turn around and go back and start over. And, and that's what we had to do with this house. But that was she was so happy that we we took care of that house. And, you know, but but there's so many streets like that in Dallas. That has like that have people like that 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 want help, but it was nice. We made her happy, and, and that was very sweet. She was she came out in, in a little nightgown and and, and and hugged all of us, and it was real sweet. Well, that's wonderful, and I mean the way that you're obviously helping the Dallas community, but you also volunteer and, and give your time to assist the officer, which obviously is helping um, helping your your fellow brotherhood sisterhood uh, mm -hmm. of officers. So tell me a little bit about that work and and what what assist the officer does. Well, the assist the officer foundation. Uh, this is my first year on the board. I've always kind of been on the peripheral with, with helping them, but now uh, I've taken more active role, actually being on the board and. The Assistant Officer Foundation is basically uh, we we take donations and we do uh, fundraising and charity events for if an officer gets sick with uh, any illness or gets injured or is going through any um, any um, emotional stress because now we provide mental health uh, services uh, for officers that need it. People don't realize how bad. Uh, officers have PTSD. I mean, officers were getting into a shooting. They, we see some of the most horrific things in Dallas. Some people only see on TV. We see things in person multiple times a week. Some people only see in an episode of a, 
a watered down TV show. It, it grates on some people and some officers can handle it very well. Some can handle it okay and some don't handle it well at all over time. So the Assisted Officer Foundation now provides mental health services and and since the July 7th shootings, we it's, it used to be taboo for officers to seek out help. You're looked at as weak and, and now we, we actually, the Assisted Officer Foundation provides not only uh, help for officers but also their family members, some of their children, and you know, teenagers, and so it, it's it's just a great. That's a great. I mean, right now, that's probably one of the most important things. But on the assisted officer foundation, if an officer gets hurt, hospitalized, we've had several officers hospitalized recently with uh with COVID, and or just in bad accidents. And one officer, I mean, hit a brain tumor, and and we we basically have somebody do a sponsorship, right up. Um, write up a report and send it up and the board basically votes yes we will give uh financial uh, assistance to the family and you know and in some cases you know money's not always the answer but um a lot of officers are off work for lengthy times they can't work extra jobs they can't they can't work overtime and they can't work period and some exhaust all of their sick time they're not getting paid so any uh assistance helps well, and you are really are, are giving peace of mind with that too. I mean, mm-hmm. as you said, it doesn't fix money doesn't fix everything, but if right. it can give them peace of mind and focus on a recovery, that that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And, and thank you for your service there. And kind of you, you again, you're clearly giving back is so important to you. Why why is it that giving back to the community and your officers and city and everyone? Why is that so so important for you, personally? I don't know. I, it... You, you want to do things that have that they're lasting. I mean, you know, I've been take, I've, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate in my life, and I've had people reach out and help me, and you know, and it's, I know that if something were to happen to me, that, that my, you know, friends and family at Dallas Police Department and the Sissy Officer Foundation, they would do the same. They would help out. I just want it's, just, it's just a good feeling to, to help out and, and, you know, have a lasting you know, lasting memory of, of helping people. It's just, that's important to me. Well, and actually that ties in great my next question. Kind of who are two or three of people who have really helped you and really made a difference for you in your life? <sighs> well, so my, both of my parents passed away. Okay, well, both of my parents passed away um, before I was 15. I ended up moving in with a buddy that I was playing high school football with and his family, and they legally adopted me at 15 for insurance reasons. And, um, and you know, now I consider them my family. And, you know, my brother, he's like, call my brother. He's uh, in DPS, he's an intelligence lieutenant, and he's in the area, and we're, I mean, he's pretty much best friends. It's family business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, they, they were good people and, and they took me in. They, they knew me just from watching me play with their son in football, but they really didn't know me other than just passing through to go see a movie with, with Paul. But but yeah, they they didn't hesitate. They took me in and, and really they, they taught me a lot of, um, they taught me a lot um, of being a better person because you know, whenever they, when I was in high school with, with the parents getting sick and stuff, I could have easily, you know, made some really bad decisions that probably would have affected me forever. 
They might have prevented you from becoming a police officer. Absolutely. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's for sure. <laughs> glad we're glad you didn't do, didn't do. Yeah, that. I am too. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I met them and they took me in and and basically raised me. They were really good people. That that's that's remarkable. So, kind of if you if you look back on on everything you've learned as a police officer and everything, what would you say the most important thing that you've learned has been? Well, one of the the most important thing is your uh, is your name and your your reputation. And I always tell young officers, and I talk to a lot of the rookies when they start out um, as pre hires and also when they're in the academy. And I always tell them the same thing. I said your reputation matters. It it matters it, 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 because you want your reputation, your name to walk in the, in the door before you do. And you want it to be a positive thing, not a negative thing, because in every profession, people could have bad or good reputations. Some are embellished, some are dead on, and some are totally off base, but your reputation matters. And it doesn't, your reputation isn't what you think of yourself, because you could think you're the, the best uh, cop or the most professional. and you know uh you deal with any stressful situation the best but if your interactions with people have them cause them to form an opinion of you you're not a good person you're not trustworthy you're not you shouldn't be doing the job well that's your reputation and it really matters and it's hard to shake a bad reputation and it can follow you really the rest of your career absolutely you're so right about that so kind of a question here if you could step into my shoes and ask you a question that I didn't ask. What would what would you share? How much longer do you have to go? <laughs> Whatever you'd like to share with us. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I honestly, right before you got here, I was asked by somebody how much longer I was going to do it. Uh, I've been on over twenty four years, and um, I don't have an answer. Uh, I'm still young enough, young younger compared to some officers. That, He's very uh, young. Yeah, I don't know, but. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm in a spot now that I feel very comfortable in and I feel like I'm doing good for the, the department and I'm going to stay there until I don't feel that I'm, uh, it's not fun anymore and, and it's time to move on. But I don't have a, I don't have an answer for that. That's all right. You don't have to. All right. But now toward the, toward the end of our interview, we like to flip it over, over to Dickie's. So what's your favorite Dickie's meat and favorite side? It is the, well, I love the okra. I, I, I get two sides of okra when I get, <laughs> when I get a two meat plate, a three meat plate. I love, the, I love the turkey. I love the brisket, of course, but my favorite is the uh, jalapeno cheese sausage. Heck yeah. That, that's great. That's my favorite too. Yeah. All right. And we always finish it up with our lightning round. I'm going to give you two choices. You tell me which one you're picking. Wow, okay. All right. We'll start it out with barbecue beans or jalapeno beans. Jalapeno beans. Sweet or unsweet tea? Sweet. Chopped brisket or sliced brisket? Mm. Sliced. Sauce or no sauce? Lots of sauce. <laughs> brisket or pulled pork? Brisket. And we'll finish it up with ribs or wings? Ribs. All right, I, I like those answers. I'm a, I'm a rib girl myself, so yes. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on Dickie's Doing Good, Joe. We so appreciate everything that you do uh, for the citizens of Dallas and for your community, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. It was great that we could share our stories with you. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community.